Hello, this is Vin Peterson from Politics Weekly, and today we're going to be discussing some of the events over the past few weeks. Sorry, I haven't been here in a while. I've been taking a bit of a break, but I'm back now, and I have my dad here as well. Hi, Vin. Thanks for having me. Okay, so let's discuss the main story that has been concerning me and the American people for the last um, months or so was be the debt ceiling crisis. Oh my goodness. I think it's over, Vin. Yes, it is. Biden signed the H.R. 3746, the Fiscal Responsibility Act, which suspends the debt limit for two years in combination with a few spending cuts. Oh, that's good news for everybody. Do you think it was a win for Biden or what do you think? I don't think it's a win for either party because, you know, Biden initially insisted on a clean debt ceiling increase and he didn't get that. But at the same time, the concessions were very modest. And ultimately, you know, I would say both parties win. But I think the primary winner would be Biden because the proof is in the vote totals. More Democrats voted for it in both chambers than Republicans. The proof is in the votes. That's interesting, though. Kevin McCarthy delivered. What do you think about that? He was able to get like two-thirds of his caucus on board. Mm-hmm. We'll see if he remains speaker. Yes, I think there's some Freedom Caucus members uh, trying to do a motion to vacate. <laughs> that was part of his deal was actually any member can call a speakership vote. So even if like two-thirds of the establishment Republicans are on board with this, one like one Matt Gates or Lauren Boebert could just call a motion to vacate. That's right. I think, uh, I think Marjorie Taylor Greene is... A- is the uh, is less of a freedom caucuser than she was before. Yeah, Marjorie Taylor Greene voted aye on the debt limit deal, and so did Jim Jordan as well. And Jim Jordan voted against the 2011 debt limit deal as well. Well, I think Jim Jordan just wants to go back to investigating Hunter Biden. Yes, Jim, G-Y-M, Jordan. <laughs> it's because of a sexual abuse scandal he covered up a few years ago that's when he was right. in college. That's when he was the coach, right? Yeah, he was a wrestling coach, and he covered up a sexual abuse scandal. That's the rumor. By the way, did you know his district is shaped like a toilet? I did not know that. Really? Yeah, it is. I have to look that up. Yep. Um, anyway, um, so I'm going to first start off with what is the debt ceiling, because many people don't know that. It's basically a limit on how much the government can borrow. So what that means is that, say, the government almost always runs a deficit. Um, it almost always does. So the, So not all of it can be covered by taking on taxes, so they actually have to sell bonds in order to make up the revenue. And if the government hits its debt ceiling, it means it can't sell any more bonds. So it might not be able to pay all its bills, including interest on those bonds. And that's called a default when you fail to pay the interest on the bonds, which could be catastrophic for the global economy. I see. Yeah, they keep saying it's catastrophic for the global economy, but it's just the U.S. So why does everybody say the global economy? Well, for one, the dollar is the world's reserve currency. Oh, okay. That's that's a big part of it, and the U.S. is the largest economy in the world with tremendous influence. So that's I think that's a big reason why if we default, we could probably we will probably lose our reserve currency. Okay, so if Peru defaults, it's not going to cause a worldwide economic collapse. Yeah, like Argentina defaulted, but it didn't cause an economic collapse. I see. Okay. And Sri Lanka defaulted, but it didn't cause an economic collapse. But the, if the U.S. defaulted, it would be catastrophic. Uh, okay, yeah, we don't need to see that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yes, um, that is something that's int- 
interesting. So I think that it should be done without conditions. I mean, the thing is that this is basically, as I mentioned, about paying for spending Congress already approved. And second, if you want to talk about spending and other things, I mean, we have the appropriations process in there. And just... And then, and just using this extraordinary brinksmanship is just unnecessary and it's dangerous. I mean, you've played with fire um, a few times, but and you didn't get hurt. But if you keep playing fire, you might get hurt. Well, I have a question for you. So the end of the government's fiscal year is coming up September 30th. Yeah, October 1st at the shutdown deadline. Yeah, do you think that we're going to shut down or not? Um, the thing is that part of this deal, it sets the appropriations numbers for this year, but it doesn't actually do anything in terms of government funding. So they just actually have to enact separate legislation, but they already got the numbers. So it should be pretty easy. But the thing is, there's still the possibility for like Freedom Caucus members to derail a government funding bill, however. Oh, goodness. Well, like what happened in 2013 with the Obamacare shutdown. Remember that? Yes, yes, yes. Well, that sucked. We will see. Hopefully we don't have two near crises in the same year. A government shutdown is a crisis, but a default is. But it's much easier. It's much more easily recovered than a default. I see. Okay. Government shutdowns aren't great, but they're not as bad as a default. <laughs> Terrible. Um, some notable people who actually voted nay on the deal. Actually, I want to discuss that. Uh-huh. About two thirds of the House Republican Conference voted aye. Only about a third of the Senate Republican Conference voted aye, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Oh, so they really did need more Democrats, like you said. Yeah, especially when they they had to get to sixty three votes in the Senate. Only seventeen Republicans voted aye. Oh, well. Including those nays was, was of course. Presidential candidate Tim Scott, mm-hmm. but the, some notable names would be um, for one um, NRSC Chairman Steve Daines. The organization, the NRSC, helps get Republicans elected to the Senate across the country. Mm-hmm. I guess his objective now is to get as many senators who want us to default elected across the country. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, and he voted nay, so that's not a very serious person. I know, wanting to get people elected who want to default on our debt. I heard that there were some Democrats who voted nay. Yes, there were, but there were a lot fewer compared to Republicans who voted nay. I see. And did the Democrats... But here's a question. If we needed the Democrat senators' votes to pass it, do you think they would have changed their votes to pass it? Yes, I think um, one of the nay votes, Fetterman, I think he publicly stated he would have changed his vote if it was necessary. And I think I'm sure that other Democrats would follow suit. Another person who voted nay was actually, um, you know, the top three leaders in the Republican Senate conference are are McConnell, Thune, and Barrasso. Mm -hmm. Barrasso is the conference chairman, and Thune is the whip, and McConnell's the leader. And people are talking about a post-McConnell Senate GOP. Oh. So the thing is, Thune voted aye, and McConnell voted aye, but Barrasso voted nay. Oh, I see. He is from Wyoming, so it's a super partisan state, so that won't hurt him politically, so he can do whatever he wants. Okay. Pretty bad, but not great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another thing is, beyond the messy political fights of the debt limit, it's objectively a stupid policy because it doesn't even work. Um, the thing is, when we first start, when we had no debt limit, our debt to GDP ratio was fifty-two percent. It's one hundred eighteen percent today in terms of GDP, debt to GDP ratio. Only Denmark and the United States have debt limits, and Denmark's is set so high they never really hit it. So all it does is just create a potential political t- an economic time bomb, and it's just objectively stupid. We need to eliminate it. I agree. They should get rid of it. 
Yes. They really should. I just don't understand why it's still there, and it just puts the American people into terror every two to three years. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of Ron DeSantis, let's talk about Ron DeSantis. Okay, let's, let's, is it DeSantis or DeSantis? DeSantis or DeSantis, that's yeah, what it was. I don't know. It's hard to keep track. He hasn't clarified. He said the way to pronounce his my name is winner. The thing is, <laughs> right after he announced his campaign for president, he said, I'm Ron DeSantis. But when he went on Fox and Friends and Tauti, he said, I'm Ron DeSantis. Oh, my gosh. So that's interesting. His campaign has been going less than ideal so far. We're still a long way out, of course, but it's been going less than ideal so far. Yeah, I didn't get to watch it, but I heard that his rollout on Twitter spaces was a disaster. There was like 26 minutes of glitches on the entire hour, minute, and 30-minute stream. Mm-hmm. And he's also been viewed as sort of awkward. I think there's a clip of him like laughing awkwardly in Iowa. Did you see that? Yeah, you know, there's always a clip of somebody laughing awkwardly. Yeah, and I think there was one incident where he, he like, wiped his snot on, like, another person as well. <laughs> and, of course, remember those white boots? Oh, yes. And he eats pudding with his fingers? I heard, I heard. That was actually an attack ad for Donald. Um, that was actually a pro-Trump super PAC attack ad on DeSantis was he eats pudding with fingers. Uh, even before he declared they're spending people's money on attack ads. I know, it's crazy. Mm. Yeah, so Ron DeSantis, he has a chance. The thing that I notice is very interesting about Ron DeSantis' strategy is he's not trying to be like, oh, I'm the, re- I'm the return to o- the Obama-McCain-Bush Republicans, you know? He's not like that. Yeah. He's actually been trying to run, I think, a bit towards the right. I think he's especially seen that in the state legislature. I mean, he signed the six-week abortion ban, and I think Donald Trump said that was going a bit too far even. And I think also... Um, He criticized Trump for signing a bipartisan criminal justice reform, the First Step Act, and he also criticized Trump for Operation Warp Speed, the vaccine development as well. Those are probably the two good things Trump did in his entire presidency. (laughs) That's right. I know. I heard a little bit of DeSantis' message, and he seems to just be talking about uh, eliminating leftists, eliminating the woke mob. He doesn't really seem to have like a what positive is, vision for the country. Another thing is though, like if you're objectively running, is the only reason you're running is to destroy your political opponents? Like, yeah, is that sound like something a person in the Soviet Union would do? Yeah, it doesn't sound it doesn't sound great. Yeah, yeah, and that he just doesn't seem to really have much of a policy vision in my view. I don't know what he's done for his Florida. He hasn't really touted too much about what he's done in Florida, other than a bunch of culture war stuff, like. Like, what's his views on the economy or what's his views on other issues like that? He hasn't specified. Or... That's right. Yeah, I haven't heard anything. Another person who's running is uh, Tim Scott. He's the junior Republican senator from South Carolina. He's been hyped. I mean, he's the only black Republican in the U.S. Senate, so that definitely is something that a lot of Republicans want um, who are because they've been struggling to appeal to African-American voters. Mm-hmm. Another thing would be that, yeah, and he's somewhat charismatic as well. Yeah, he's less, uh, he's less scary than DeSantis or Trump, right? Yeah, and he seems to be a bit more optimistic than both of those as well. Mm-hmm. He sort of seems to sort of be echoing sort of like a 1980s Reagan sort of vibe. Right. yes. The thing is, though, I'm not sure, that sort of might be a little bit irrelevant to a certain extent in 2023 because the GOP these days is motivated a lot by fear, 
So that's part of it. And also another thing is, though, though he's running sort of as like an old school Republican, his voting record is far from that. He's, his voting record is like a Tea Party Republican. I mean, he voted against like the infrastructure bill and a bunch of other bipartisan bills. As I mentioned, he voted to default. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's uh, don't be don't be fooled. He's terrible. Yeah, he's a he's more of a he's better than Trump or DeSantis, but that's a very low bar in my opinion. Yeah, or is he? Because he seems to vote for all that garbage. So who knows? Yeah, his voting record is his voting record is about the same as somebody like Trump or DeSantis, but his rhetoric and his strategy is a lot different. He seems to gain some establishment report, um, support. I mean, John Thune, the Minority Whip, is actually at one of his campaign events. Ah, uh, yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. So that could be a signal that maybe that they believe that this is the best bet. They initially th- just turn away from Trump. They thought DeSantis was the best bet at first because, you know, um, he won very largely as governor. But after his campaign has been off to a less than stellar start, they're thinking Tim Scott. But he's still somewhat of a long shot, in my opinion. He's not even the only candidate from South Carolina. Nikki Haley as well. Another thing, it's either going to be Florida or South Carolina at this election. That's right. I did hear, uh, going back to DeSantis, I did hear somebody talking about um, Florida and Trump, and DeSantis said, of course my state is great. The whole Trump family moved in. (laughs) That was a bit strange. Yes, for sure. And I think I also saw that. So, yeah, that's part of it. Another thing would be that um, there's other candidates who are entering the race. I think Mike Pence is about to announce next month. Mm-hmm. I think also the governor of North Dakota, Doug Burnham, is going to announce as well. That's an, interesting ca- that's an interesting choice. Yeah, whoever that is. I've never heard of him. A governor from North Dakota doesn't sound like a person who gets a lot of publicity. No. The governor from South Dakota has got a fair bit of publicity. It's Christy Nome. Mm-hmm. She, I don't think, has announced has planned to announce, but there are some others. I think Glenn Youngkin is reportedly mulling a presidential bid, the governor of Virginia. So there's a few other possible contenders, but right now I think it's one thing that's notable is that when a field gets crowded like this, it benefits Trump as it did in 2016. Another thing is that Trump is still the clear favorite. He leads by about 30 to 35 points in pretty much every poll I've seen. Yeah, I know it's pretty bad. The, Republican primary system is winner take all, right? So all he has to do is get a little bit. He's got his steady 30%. It's never going to go down. That might be just enough to win it in a crowded field. Yeah, and the crowded field really helps Trump. And also, yeah, as you mentioned, the, the way that delegates are distributed is the um, it's winner take all. And there's also a lot of heavy emphasis on those two first states with the Republicans. I know Democrats changed their primary schedule this time around. Yeah is that Iowa and New Hampshire are the two big states. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not real big, if you ask me. But, but big in presidential primaries, even though they're very small by population and extremely white. Like, they're both, like, 90% white. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know why the whole country focuses on those two states every presidential election. Because they don't really represent the country as a whole. Yeah, I have views that they should rotate it around. Yeah, I think spread the love. I think like Democrats did like Michigan, Nevada, and South Carolina, which I think are a little bit more representative as the country as a whole than those two. Yeah, I agree. Um, so that's all I have to say for this time around. It's good to be back, um, and I'm um, thank you, Dad, for being on the podcast. Thank you, Ben, for having me. And that's all I have to say. Goodbye. Bye.